0: Our sermon this morning, Joey, I think we've got too much gain on this thing. Our sermon this morning is getting back to work. And the, uh, our text this morning is taken from Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 10. This uh, actually covers three categories. It covers sin, faith, and duty. Let's read Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 10. Then said he unto his disciples, It is impossible, but that the offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he be cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed of yourself. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostle said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye say to this sycamore tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. But which of you, having a servant plowing a field or cattle, will say unto him, By and by, when he comes in from the field, Come, go and sit down to meet and will not rather they say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I throw not. So likewise, ye, when ye shall have done all these things which are commanded you, to say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Our sermon this morning is getting back to work, and it actually speaks of the economy, basically, but it also speaks to us as individuals and how we, uh, how this nation has changed its attitude towards many things. As an example of today's society, I have this little story from Rabbi Harold Kirshner. And he tells a wonderful story about a bright young man who was a sophomore at Stanford, pre-med student. To reward him for having done so well in school, his parents gave him a trip to the Far East for the summer vacation before you start his junior year. While there, he met a guru who said to him, don't you see how you are poisoning your soul with this success-oriented way of life? Your idea of happiness is to stay up all night studying for an exam so you can better get a better grade than your best friend. Your idea of a good marriage is not to find the woman who will make you whole, but to win the girl that everyone else wants. That's not how people are supposed to live. Give it up. Come and join us in the atmosphere where we can all share and love each other. The Young man had completed four years at a competitive high school to get into Stanford, plus two years of pre-med courses at the university. He was ripe for this sort of approach. He called his parents from Tokyo and told them he would not be coming home. He was dropping out of school to live in an ashram. Six months later, his parents got a letter from them. Dear Mom and Dad, I know you weren't happy with the decision I made last summer, but I will tell you how happy it has made me. For the first time in my life, I am at peace. There is no competing, no hustling, no trying to get ahead of anyone else. Here we are all equal, and here we all share. This way of life is so much in harmony with the inner essence of my soul that in only six months, I've become number two disciple in the entire ashram. And I think I can be number one by June. Isn't that the way this society is today? We're all out to get ahead at whatever cost. They say that good humor must contain one crucial element, truth. And how true is this story? The young man's intentions are noble, but he is not able to follow through. Before long, he has competed in his monastery to be the star pupil. Our leaders have been giving us good advice there's recently. They've been urging Americans to get back to work to make the economy strong again, to invest in the market, and to get into the f- friendly skies and get down to the trenches of our jobs. I think all of us understand the implementation, the implements, excuse me, implications if we do not return wholeheartedly to our daily task. Recession has been looming on the horizon for some time. But getting back to work in times of uncertainty feels like a selfish thing to do. So we all have been wondering what we can do to help. We have been told our greatest contribution is returning to our normal routine. Perhaps we can rediscover something during these anxious times, something misplaced by this current generation. Our parents and grandparents have long observed that loyalty, service, and sacrifice are no longer characterize our workplace our families, or in some cases, even our military. When Tom Brokaw called the greatest generation, grew up facing economic challenges and then the trials of war and a Cold War. And I've noticed in these past few weeks a renewed gratitude and appreciation for all that we have. We see ourselves more clearly in the light of the weather-inspired tragedies at home and the war in Eastern Europe. We are not a people who have limitless rights. We are citizens who have a duty to serve. We are not a people who should demand service. We are not a nation which owes our sacrifice. This is a lesson Jesus would have us learn. It is the meaning of his short parable and it is a standard for every Christian. This parable assumes two basic principles and two inescapable conclusions of Christianity. The first is God owes us nothing. If it is true that God owes us nothing, we understand why self-righteousness is such a loathsome attitude for religious people. Self-righteousness assumes we are God's blessings and grace because of our good behavior. Let's take a look at this short parable that teaches us to avoid this attitude. Jesus asks you to imagine that you are the owner of a farm with slaves, but when the slave's work is done for the day and he comes in from the field, are you gonna wait on him? Help him recline at table, prepare his meal, that service supper? I dare say not. He is not the master. You are the master. And it is you who will say to the slave, I am hungry. Get my meal ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. And when I am done, then you can eat. Jesus then drives home the point the master is under no obligation to say thank you to his slave. Why? Because the slave is simply doing his job. It is what is expected of him. The servant is not worthy to receive any compliments when he does the job he's expected to do. This message flies in the face of our need to be recognized. Does it mean that we should honor those who do good work or not honor those who do good work? Not at all. It simply means it is our duty to work in the kingdom of God, and we are do nothing for that work. First and foremost, we live for God's expecting return nothing. Secondly, we owe God everything. I love the story about the young man named James who had a desire to be the most famous manufacturer and salesman of cheese in the world. He planned on becoming rich and famous, making and selling cheese, and began with a little buggy pulled by a pony named Patty. After making his cheese, he would load his wagon, and he and Patty would drive down the streets of Chicago and sell cheese. As the months passed, the young man began to despair because he was not making any money in spite of his long hours and his hard work. One day, he pulled his pony to a stop and began to talk to him. He said, Patty, there's something wrong. We're not doing it right. I'm afraid we have things turned around, and our priorities are not where they ought to be. Maybe we ought to serve God and please him, put him in first place in our lives, The boy drove home and made a covenant that for the rest of his life, he would serve God and then work as God directed. Many years after this, the young boy is now a man stood at Sunday school superintendent at North Shore Baptist Church in Chicago and said, I would rather be a layman in in the North Shore Baptist Church and to head the greatest corporation in America, my first job is serving Jesus. So every time you take a bite of Philadelphia cream cheese or sip a Maxwell House coffee or mix a quart of Kool-Aid, slice up a DiGiorno pizza or cook a pot of macaroni and cheese, spread some Grey Poupon, and sit down at a bowl of cream of wheat, slurp down some Jell-O, and eat cream out of the middle of the Oreo cookie, or serve some stovetop, remember a boy, his pony named Patty, and the promise little James L. Craft made to serve God and work as he directed. James Craft understood that it is our faith in God that reminds us on a daily basis that we are servants in this world. It is easy in times of plenty to forget When all is right with the world, the law of averages predicts that all will be wrong with us. When we cease to feel anything less than awe at the wonder of creation, and when we feel that God the Father has human instead of divine attributes, and we think God framed by the perspective of our puny experiences, then we forget that we are God's creatures. What do we have to claim upon God, except to understand our duty and to yearn for God's love? What do we ultimately have without God's grace? Religion, true religion that has Christ as our Lord and God as our Father. We'll tap us on the shoulder and say, I ain't hungry, I am hungry, <laughs> prepare my meal. I am thirsty get my drink we have the option then to spend our lives expecting to be served hopefully we can keep ourselves on the right relationship and choose the former because we are unaware we are unworthy servants god owes us nothing and we are only doing our way we owe god everything amen Father, you've given us this beautiful day, that we might go out and celebrate your creation. And Father, to sit and sup with our family and tell our family about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That we may go out and meet those on the street corner and speak to them about our Lord and Savior. Father, as we go through this day, might our Lord and Savior be on our mind every minute of every day and may we not be ashamed of his gospel but may we speak out and tell the world about jesus christ and his father we ask this in jesus holy name amen